1: Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that's 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We would love for you to follow us on social media. We are at No Nonsense Pod on both Twitter and Facebook. We would also love for you to follow or subscribe to the show on whatever platform you're using to listen uh, but especially if you're listening on iTunes, we would love for you to leave us a rating and review. As Will said just a, mo- uh, a few moments ago as we were preparing, uh, we don't have to talk about you know Mariota being bad this week, right? Because the uh, Titans pulled it off against the Atlanta Falcons in, in pretty convincing fashion. I started writing my Titans win postgame story with like 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter.
2: Yeah, thank God that we don't have to have another Mariota discussion because I I think I can speak for all of us when I say it's very tiresome and the fact that we have to have it so frequently has gotten gotten kind of annoying, but I thought he looked fantastic in this game, probably the best he's looked in a a really long time, Uh, definitely the best he's looked this season. Uh, So that was definitely good to see. He looked very confident. The, the biggest number is, is is that he didn't get sacked, and and I think that can be attributed to both him getting the ball out quickly and, and moving around in the pocket a little bit more, and also the offensive line played 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 very well. And I, I don't know how much of that is, is on the Falcons' lack of a pass rush, which has appeared to be a problem for a little while, but uh, I think you got to give credit where it's due. The, the Titans' offensive line did its job, and, and Mariota made a lot of really good throws, a lot of really good decisions, uh, which it, which has been a common theme throughout the season. He's yet to have a turnover. Hopefully I don't jinx it, but he's yet to have a turnover. He really hasn't had too many turnover-worthy throws. I don't know that and he's had
0: any, really. Yeah, he had the think, one versus the Colts where yeah, it, that's right. Off the guy's hands. Yeah. But
2: other I was going to say the one last week. Uh, he threw a, a jump ball up to Adam Humphreys on like third and 15.
1: Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, yeah, that one. It, it wasn't necessarily yeah, like, like that. Oh. it shouldn't have been picked off uh it, it was just not a great decision but regardless if he can keep this up and, and just focus on not turning the ball over and just getting the ball into his playmaker's hands uh then we're gonna win a lot of games because his defense is is fantastic
0: yeah and you know it's not really that the Falcons didn't get pressure. Like, there were times when the offensive line did not do their job, but for some reason this week, Mariota was just okay with throwing the ball out of bounds. I mean, it like, he saw something he didn't like. There was a guy in his face. He threw it away. He didn't try to make stuff happen, which I think Rabel talked about that today is kind of, or maybe it was yesterday, about being ahead of the sticks and, you know, kind of being out to those point 14 point leads early allows you to do that where you say okay you know there's nothing here i'm not going to force it i'm not going to take a sack and make things worse i'm just going to get rid of the ball so i mean yeah it's it's you know i'm glad we don't have to have this conversation again we've already talked about it almost too much because i'm afraid of what i'm going to say it will set luke off or i'll get bad comments (laughs) or something but it's just nice to have a franchise quarterback again
1: well you know (laughs) it is interesting because i was just thinking about this in Mariota's career there's two games that stand out to me where he looked totally different than any other game. Number 1 was the Monday night win the Titans had against the Colts. Uh, I believe it was in 2017. Mariota was coming off a hamstring injury and he mm-hmm. did not leave the pocket at all. You know, that was a game where they said basically like he can play but he can't run. And so that was a game where he looked totally different than any other game. This week was that too, but it wasn't because of any physical limitation or you know, he he was a totally different quarterback it was he was doing as you hinted at Will something that that he's never really done before and that is consistently getting rid of the ball in the face of pressure and it was to the point where you know, I, I tweeted out in like the first quarter I'm like this is all fine and good but if Mariota keeps this up he's going to get a grounding penalty and end up, he did get one and and nearly got two but Henry was sort of in the area so they, they waved it off yeah. but I like it Right, Because if you get the grounding penalty, it's a spot foul with a loss of down. So it's just the sack without the hit. And if you don't get a grounding penalty, if you're out of the pocket or, or there's a receiver in the area, then like you said, Will, you, you save yourself for the next play and you live to see another day. And seeing that concerted change in Mariota, a, a very aware change of Mariota, I think was one of the, the reasons that he was able to go 3-0 and touchdown to interception.
2: Yeah, I, I think he kind of took a page out of the Tom Brady handbook. I'm sure Vrabel uh, might might have mentioned it. Uh, but, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I'd much rather him just take the grounding penalty. It, it, he, did, he only got one, right? So it really wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah just and, the one. Yeah, and it was in a game where we where we were firmly in control. So I'd rather him do that and not take a sack, not take that extra hit uh, that we've seen w- what those hits can, can end up doing to his body. But um, yeah, I'd much rather he he, he take that grounding penalty. I, one thing about Mariota that that I've noticed this season is, I don't, I think he, I'm not gonna say he looks healthier, uh, but it seems like he's bouncing up from all of these hits that he's taking, and even yeah. when even when he's running, uh, he'll dive forward, uh, get hit late at the end, but he just pops right back up, and he looks like. I, I remember he did gain a, a little bit of weight in the offseason. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but in my opinion, it just looks like he's a more, not not thicker, but it, it just seems like he he's able to absorb a lot of these hits. Well, with,
1: with, with the protection issues that the Titans had over the first three games, there were some plays where I expected him to like get up yeah. very gingerly and kind of stumble around.
2: Yeah, exactly, and especially because we've seen a ton, a ton of QBs get injured this season, uh, because I, I, I've said it before, offensive line play in the NFL is is at an all time low. Just, just look at the Bengals last night; they, it, it was an atrocity, and uh, I'm shocked Dalton uh, even didn't get injured. But, but yeah, I, I do. I don't know if we can attribute this to Mariota's gain weight, what, uh, the, the, the weight gain over the off season, but maybe that has something to do with it. And and it's good to see. And, and I hope that uh, it lasts for the, for, for the duration of the
0: season. Yeah. I mean, he just looks healthy. Like mm-hmm. it's not, it, it doesn't feel like he thinks he's going to get hurt, which, you know, I, I don't, I don't remember consciously thinking the last two years, like he looks like he thinks he's going to get hurt, but the way he gets up now and the way he's gotten up the last two years does look completely different. And it's like, he gets hit and he pops up, he gets hit, he runs out of bounds, he kind of like jogs back. Like It's not like there's that extra beat where he lays down for a second and then he has to get helped up or whatever. I mean, he just kind of seems like he's fine. So, yeah, that that's that's great. It's good to see and I hope it continues. But, you know, as of right now, like I would say that whatever weight he's at now needs to be what he plays at for the rest of his career.
1: And, Will, I think it's a good thing for you to sort of foreshadow this. You know, you said, I hope he keeps it up. You know, a lot of Titans fans on Twitter wanted to say on Sunday, oh, Mariota's back. You know, I always believed in him. And I know we don't want to have, quote, unquote, the (laughs) Mariota discussion. But, I mean, it's as simple as this. Mariota has had games like that before where he's looked really good. It's the you know couple strings in a row of games like Indianapolis and Jacksonville over the last two weeks that make you wonder if he's the guy. So I'll just leave it at this, and I think we can agree. Yeah, he looked great on Sunday. I f- totally agree with that. It's hard not to. But the measure of whether he's the franchise guy moving forward is not that he beat the Falcons. It's if he's going to beat the Bills this week, if he's going to beat the Broncos next week, right?
2: Yeah, it, it it just seems like we've seen it so often where he has a good game or he goes on, on a good stretch uh, on a good stretch run, uh, and then he lays a stinker. So especially with this Bills defense, that that's really good. Uh, they made Tom Brady look like like a rookie quarterback last week. So we I wouldn't be surprised to see Mariota struggle in this upcoming game. Uh, but but if he if he looks the same way he did against the Falcons against the Bills, I think. I, I don't know if we could say he he turned the corner because i i don't know if we're even uh, at that point in his career where where he really can do that um but yeah. I, I i don't I, I don't think we could really say that this is a turning point I, I think we know who Mariota is we know what he's capable of i think we've probably already seen his peak but if this is the if the guy from the falcons game, game is who you're gonna get, for the rest of the season, then I mean, we're we're probably gonna be a playoff team and the offense is gonna be good enough to complement an outstanding defense.
0: Yeah. You know, if we get the guy we got Sunday, then he's gonna get a long-term deal. Like that's that's quarterback play you can win with on ninety percent of teams. You know, that's not just a facilitator, that's somebody who's making quick reads and smart decisions. So I think the one difference in this and so many other times is it's not like his numbers are inflated by a Demarco Murray or a Derrick Henry screen that went for 80 yards. It's downfield passing that got him touchdowns. But I mean, yeah, like as as much as I'm ready to buy back into Mariota, if if it comes to that, and you know, if he strings together more good games, it, it's this whole team has to get to the point where they can win two games in a row, three games in a row, do it against the teams. You're not supposed to win by double digits more than once every month. Try not to have those huge collapses. They've got so much to do from a, I guess, like trust standpoint with me that I don't expect them to go out and do what 90% of other teams would do after a good win. I'm I'm more worried about when the other shoe's going to drop. But just from the quarterback perspective, I think if you're expecting any more from that and you are you don't have a top-five quarterback in the NFL, then you're expecting too much from your
2: quarterback. And I want to talk about... Huh? I, no, I was just going to say, uh, one thing that I, I've loved so far this year from Mariota, even in the games that he maybe hasn't played all that well, his rushing has been has been huge in a lot of these drives. He's on pace for the most most rushing yards of his career, and he's averaging over six yards a carry. And they've been legitimate, like, good running decisions. And like I said, he's popping right back up after those runs, even if he is taking those late hits.
1: I, I could stand for him to be a little safer though at the end of yes. the runs i
2: well, don't i okay, don't
1: need these out, john elway you know hurdles that we've seen <laughs> multiple times from
0: him. yeah that we saw against the colts that like, was awful i, no, I, no, I agree never with you. like i agree with you but is there something to the fact that like maybe him getting hurt so much ru- not hurt hit so much running kind of makes it less jarring when he gets hit as a sack i mean i know the impact is different the angle is different but Maybe there's something where it's like, okay, I've got the adrenaline going. I've been hit a few times. It doesn't hurt that much. Ba- hurt that much worse if I get sacked here than if I was to run for seven yards here. Like because no, the, no, I think is, you
1: can ask Deshaun Watson's punctured long that question.
0: Yeah, I mean Deshaun Watson, who is on pace for 72 sacks this season um, through four games, and you know. Like, I don't want to get into this debate now. We will we will need to have it some other time. But people are putting clips online now where they're like, well, some of these sacks aren't on Watson. Look at him drift into pressure.
1: Well, we will have plenty of time to talk about Deshaun Watson in December because the Titans will play Maybe. them twice. Um,
0: we, may, we may not play him twice. That, uh, we'll see about that.
1: Um, for the meantime, though, I want to talk about two – groups on offense that really helped Mariota, I thought on Sunday let's start with the receivers uh because I thought they had their best game in terms of the wide receivers uh, Delaney Walker was not highly involved uh, but A.J. Brown and Corey Davis both went over 90 receiving yards in what Mariota, after the game said was the blueprint for how things should look for the Titans offense moving forward and look I get this you know well, we, every game is different and every team is different and every matchup is different. And we've got to, you know, if you're the Titans, scheme things a certain way. I get that. But if you have a star player or players that you like and you can rely on, I'm not even going to say star. Because so I think A.J. Brown is already someone that the Titans like and can rely on. He's heading toward being a star. And I think Corey Davis is probably that too, despite his deficiencies. And so when you have those guys... You got to make an effort to get them involved. You can't just keep letting game flow dictate everything. Clearly, right? We saw on Sunday when they do get those guys involved early, good things happen throughout the entirety of the game.
2: Yeah, they just need they just need the ball in their hands. They're really good playmakers. They're really athletic. They're really good after the catch, and both of them are. And it's really not that difficult. Uh, to put the ball in their hands, especially in, in this game. They were getting open at will uh, against Trufant and Isaiah Oliver. Both of them were, were just pretty much wide open uh, all game, uh, which was, uh, I don't know, when's the last time we've, we've been able to say that about about t- a pair of Titans receivers. So that was awesome. But, yeah, Mariota really just has to be a game manager. He really doesn't have to, to force many throws, at all. although we've seen Corey Davis and A.J. Brown make make. Tightly contested catches, but if you just get these guys in space, we've seen what AJ Brown could do. He's already in that Browns game. He he had uh, a crazy run after the catch, and then in this game, he takes one for a touchdown after the catch. So if the offense could, if Arthur Smith could just throw out the Dion Lewis screens out of the play good lord, and, and turn turn those t- yeah burn them, and then turn those touches into more touches. It, it it could be on screen passes for either Davis, Brown, or even Adam Humphreys, who has who shown to be a capable screen receiver uh, in the past. It, it, if we could just turn those Deion Lewis touches into Corey Davis and A.J. Brown touches, the offense will be so much better for it. And I'm telling you, we will not be in these second and 12, third and 12 situations that, that yeah. we seem to find ourselves in. Uh, rather often
1: and on your point matias i think we've talked about dion lewis every single week on here since the season <laughs> has started it, it's never
2: been good i mean he he looks bad it's not even his fault it's not his fault it's the coach's fault for <laughs> yeah ben i mean putting him in these situations. and, and you know yeah.
1: yeah well like people want to blame the oh, co- the titans aren't using him correctly and i think last year that might have been the case but I was listening to uh, Blake Beddingfield, a Blake Bettingfield, the former Titan scout. He was talking on the radio last week on Midday One Hundred and Eighty, and and he said uh, something that, that really struck a chord with me. He said that when I watched John Lewis on tape, regardless of the scheming or anything like that, this is not the same guy that was a world beater with the Patriots. It's a totally different
0: football player. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's Kendall Wright. Like he no he wants to no stop.
1: Kendall Wright was a thousand yard receiver.
0: Well, once Deion Lewis was a thousand yard rusher. Like it, I, I'm, I'm saying that both of them stop their feet and try yeah. to cut around to I mean, it's like any momentum they have, they immediately stop and try to focus on shifting. Like it just Deion Lewis specifically tries to like shake the guy in front of him and sometimes he can do it, but it takes him so long to do that that defensive players come from behind or they flow to him. Like, Everything is not third and one where he needs to shake one guy and get three yards and then go down. But it's like on third and seven, he treats it the exact same way he would on third and one. There's just no understanding of the bigger picture or like what he needs to do or like why some things may or may not be a good idea. It's too much dancing.
2: Uh, Yeah. Do you guys want to guess his yards per touch? Uh, Yards per, yards uh, per
1: touch or yards per carry?
2: Yards per touch. Is it two? I'm no, going to say it's one. Three. It's three. I know it was 2.5 uh, last week against against. He the has Falcons. nine catches for 22 yards. Good night. Like, what is the point
0: of throwing him the ball? It, it would be even worse if you could see all those catches because there's so many catches on third and long where Mario just has to dump it down, and, like, he throws it to him, and he just immediately starts shaking oh, oh back God. and forth. And I'm like, what is happening? Like... You could do this last year, like even when you were like disappointing
2: last year, you could do this occasionally, like I mean one of them it, one of them went for eleven yards, so on the other ones he yeah. has eight catches for eleven yards, yeah, I mean uh,
0: he You're had four for four. he had four for four this past week, yeah, uh so yeah, I mean. I know your question was about wide receivers, but Dion Lewis is Hard. bad. You're right. I don't understand. <laughs> like just talking about the wide receivers, I'll, I'll kind of cover my thoughts on them real quick. Like, they had a great game, but this wasn't them at their peak. I think A.J. Brown got three targets. Somebody somebody said he only ran like 17 routes all game long, which seems crazy to me, but I guess it's... I don't know about that. Yeah, I, I, I need to look at that, but somebody said that he was on the field a lot, but he ran only ran 17 routes and pass plays, and I mean, I guess with how many... I mean, I what well, they have like 29 pass attempts, so that just means he wasn't on the field for 12. Anyway, uh, I can do that math later, but the point is is that it's not like they were trying to force the ball to anybody. Corey Davis had a pass on third and long where he just dropped it. Uh it was like a 20-yard pass. Now this I should say he also had a pass on third and 15 where he went up the seam and got 17. It was a great play and it I mean I'm not saying they had bad games or anything because they obviously didn't, but this is them at 90% of their capacity. Like they weren't you know, force fed the ball. They weren't targeted on any, on any, like, isolation deep routes other than the one fade to A.J. Brown, which was a great pass and a great catch. Um, but really, like, you could get 120 yards a game out of these guys. If you, if this is the blueprint, then 120 yards per game from each of them is not crazy. They both almost had 100, and the Titans stopped passing the ball at halftime, basically. And the,
1: and the reason that I think it can be the blueprint, Will, is because Derrick Henry nearly had thirty carries and topped hundred yards in the running game. So it wasn't that they were just, you know, throwing the ball around the yard to use a common phrase. They had balance
0: with that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's so crazy how you can have. You know, a 6'3 receiver on one side and a six-foot receiver on another, and then you can have such success, and then later you can say, I know that was a really good look and it looked impossible to stop, but we need to go two tight ends this next set. It doesn't make any sense. I don't understand why Smith has done it sometimes, but to me, based off four weeks of the product on the field – There's no reason that Corey Davis and A.J. Brown should not be on the field together. And then after that, you can worry about everybody else how many tight ends, how many slot receivers, where they lined up. But, I mean, those two need to be on the field together every single play. And if they're on the field on the same side or, you know, split both ways, that's fine. But. They've got to be on the field. those. Those are your best playmakers, and that's including Derrick Henry, who I think leads the league in rushing since in the last like sixteen games or something. Like, I mean, even though you have that kind of weapon, like, get the ball to those receivers. They are truly excellent when you give them targets.
1: The offensive line also uh, really helped out Mariota, and there's really two highlights of that. One. You know, Taylor Lewand's coming back this week, so the line will obviously be a lot better. Um, but number two, Nate Davis got his first action in some kind of weird rotation he had with Jameel Douglas. I didn't really get that. Um, I, I didn't understand the explanation for that. If you're if you're ready to come in and play half the snaps, I think you're ready to come in and play all the snaps. It's not.
2: Was it a conditioning thing? Is that what he said?
0: Allegedly, I mean that, that's that's the that's the theory that everybody on Twitter is working with. Like, I don't I don't think Variable has said one way or another, has he? Uh, he's been this guy's been practicing for over a month now.
2: Yeah, yeah and it was in a dome. But it was in a dome.
0: It a cool dome. Like, it's not. I mean, <laughs> how much how much better is he going to get conditioning wise from Sunday to Sunday if they practice three times and they're only in full pads once? I mean,
1: yeah,
0: well, it, like either he's ready or he's not.
1: Look, we, we could make conspiracy theories, but let's just answer this question. How did Nate Davis play in his first action?
2: Well, I'm going to let Will answer because he, he went back and looked at Nate Davis because I, I was curious how he played because at first glance, I thought he looked fantastic. He was finishing a lot of runs, a lot of plays through the whistle. He was very aggressive. And the I think the biggest thing I noticed was how much more athletic he looked than Jameel Douglas. I Douglas never no. popped, <laughs> Douglas never <laughs> popped off my screen in any play positively where he was like actually moving around on a play, getting to the second level on a run play, and that's that was the first thing I, I noticed about Nate Davis.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're definitely not wrong. Like he was getting up to linebackers frequently. I I remember watching the game live. It seemed like every time Nate Davis came in, they would run the ball. The first player would be running the ball behind right guard and it would go for five yards every single time. And I watched back and I was like, surely that's not what happened. But like it happened a lot. Like they made hay on that right side with Conklin, uh, Jones and Davis. Like they they just did a really good job. Like so Davis specifically, he's really strong. Um, he wants to hit people. Like if he's got, if he didn't have an assignment, he's trying to find somebody's ribs to break, which is great. That's what you want. <laughs> um, he uh, he's got this weird way of kind of like he extends his arms sometimes, and he can drive you. But then other times he'll just. It's almost like he's just rushing up to like a linebacker, and he's just trying to get his body on him as quick as he can. And once he gets him close, it's just he will start. And maybe this is just because the Falcons linebackers are undersized. But when he got up to the second level, it was like he just pushed them around, like he was pushing around a corner. Like he is very active. Conditioning did not appear to be a problem. Uh, I mean, he was doing all the athletic things you want. Like, his backside stuff was fine. Like, his play side stuff was good. I mean, the the one issue is there was a play where it was that uh, intentional grounding where Mariota got hit instantly, like, right off the bat, like, below the waist. Like, I got hit, like, in the knees or something. I think it was Grady Jarrett. And if you look, it, it, after the play's over, it looks like Mariota's yelling at Ben Jones that that was supposed to be his guy. And when you watch it on replay, it looks like the way it's designed is Ben Jones is supposed to step to the right, Nate Davis is supposed to step to the right, and they're supposed to kind of block, like, zone block right side for some kind of quick pass or something. It, it didn't go long enough to really see what the design was. But it, it me just guessing based off what I saw, it looks like – well, I, I should also say that uh, – there was pressure. They brought down the defender to play on the back, what would be the backside A-gap. So you had guys on both sides of the center. So if you have an offensive coordinator or coaching scheme and you say, okay, we've been blocking like this all game, and you you know your center talks to your guard and you all know that, that's fine. If you're rotating guys out and you've made a change on the fly and he doesn't know that because you've told Jameel Douglas but you haven't told Nate Davis, then that's more of a coaching issue. That that's more of this is why you don't rotate guards in and out. So I don't know who the blame really lies on because sometimes the quarterback knows the small changes that offensive linemen make, sometimes they don't. But that was the one thing where I was like, oh, he might have messed up on that play. Other than that, he was really good, especially in the run game, which is where I thought we might be in 2020 with him, not 2019. But so far, so good, even when he had to hit Grady Jarrett. Let's talk a little bit about the uh – the Titans'
1: defense, before we move on and, and take a look at the Buffalo Bills, the Titans' upcoming opponent, if you look at the Falcons' offense and you say, name their three most explosive, most important players, you're probably going to get okay, Matt Ryan, the quarterback. Everything works through him, former NFL MVP. Uh, Julio Jones, the best receiver in the NFL, future Hall of Fame player. And Devontae Freeman, former pro bowler, very consistent guy who's always tough to deal with. Maybe, you know, Alex Mack is a t- close fourth, uh, uh, Ridley. But those are your big three, right? Um, and all three of them were, like, invisible.
2: Yeah. Uh, I I don't know how much of it is on the Falcons being bad because well. they've looked— <laughs> They've looked rather bad all season. Their they offense need to is make a coaching get change. I,
1: I don't get it oh. with them. I, I don't. I, I uh,
0: agree. I think, I think we said uh, future Falcons head coach Lincoln Riley. I think that's what we talked mm. about. I like, think yeah. they need to
1: promote from within so that we could have Mike Malarkey for the fourth time as a head coach. I,
0: I would love an interim uh, Mike Malarkey run where he takes over the job again. That's, that's that, going to happen. Yeah, that's, I like Mike Malarkey. Destined. Yeah, I do, too. Like, if I if I wanted a team to win eight games a year, like, I would have Mike Malarkey. Like, I think that's a ceiling. Like, I think he can get you to that level. And then if you can find somebody to do better, great. If you can't, you know, that sucks. But, like, that seems like, I mean, it can't be worse than what they have now.
1: You know, the thing about the Titans defense, I think, is that for the first time in a while, there's really nothing to complain about. Now, they're not, you know, the 2006, 16 Denver Broncos that, Yeah, that's the year They're not the 2016 Seems Denver bad. Broncos They're not the 2000 Baltimore Ravens Or anything like that But they're also not A liability Anywhere And it's not like last year where every game We're like, gotta get more pressure with the edge guys Gotta get more pressure with four guys Right. This year it's just like, they go out They do their job, there are some mistakes There are some ugly plays uh, Logan Ryan had a pretty bad pass interference this week uh, you know, there are going to be some bad things that happen, but they always get the job done, and sometimes it does look pretty. I, w- I was going to say, you know, it always look pretty, but you know, most of the time it does.
2: Yeah, I mean, they could be the twenty sixteen Broncos if they capitalize and just trade for Von Miller because the bran- Broncos are kind of tanking. Just kidding. That would but be insane. That would I mean, be amazing.
0: I mean, but it, um... it would be weird. It would be weird to see Von Miller have to switch numbers for Harold Landry, though.
2: Oh, yeah, that's true.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I not does, does Von Miller funny. want to have to cover tight ends if he comes to uh, Tennessee?
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the bigger question is how do you feel going back to that weird off-ball linebacker role you played earlier in your career?
2: Dude, I, I yeah, someone's going to have to explain that. Dean Pease is going to have to explain why Landry's covering Austin Hooper on so many plays. Yeah, I, I will make but, sure
1: that that question gets asked this week
2: But, but like, i like, I I can't, I can't even complain because the defense has been a top five unit as we expected this season. Uh, I mean, their point, point, point totals given up are 13, 19, 20, and 10. Uh, I know they haven't played amazing all well, But
1: offenses. here's the thing, though. I was about to say, it's not like they've been playing scrubs. They've had to deal with Baker no, yeah. Mayfield, a gunslinging quarterback, Odell Beckham, mm-hmm. Julio Jones, uh, T.Y. Yeah. Hilton is someone they had to deal with. I mean, it's not like they're playing – We'll we'll get to talking about the Bills' offense in just a moment, and it's not like they're playing those guys every week,
2: right? And, and I mean, even Minshew looks good. He looked really good against the Broncos, and, and so did it feels so did the pocket
1: very well.
2: He does. He he's pretty he's pretty good. So he, so it, it, I I mean I, I think that's also a big reason why we couldn't even get a sack in that game. Minshew's been been really good in terms of navigating pockets, but I, I think the biggest. Concern or weak point, maybe, about the defense that we had going into the season was the pass rush. And although I still feel like we could get more out of them, they have 13 sacks in four games. I mean, what else can you possibly ask for from them? So, in my opinion, this is a defense that could get you probably to, I mean, th- th- this defense might be able to get you to Super Bowl if your offense uh, picks it up uh, over the latter half of the season. I don't know if that's going to happen. I think there are still too many questions about the offense, but in terms of the defense, I don't know what you can point to and and, and really point out as well, as a weakness.
1: And I know you never like to look ahead, but I'm really excited to see you know over the course of the season they're going to have three you know see how good you actually are matchups in facing Philip Rivers, Drew Brees, mm-hmm. and Patrick Mahomes, and and I'm really interested. Will be interested for those three games in particular this year.
2: Yeah, I, I say all this, and then Joe Flacco in Week Six is just <laughs> going to go off on them because this is how it works.
1: Or but. former future Titan Drew Locke, if it comes to that.
0: <laughs> oh, God! That was, that was no. He's gross. on IR. He can't come back. Oh, is, he's on IR. That's yeah. That's right. That's right. I he, won't didn't know be, that. he won't be eligible. They'll make a special rule. <laughs> we'll see him in the playoffs. <laughs> They'll have a comeback. Um. Yeah. So, you know the Titans are what fifth? Oh, hold on. Let me look. One, two, three, four, five. They are sixth. Sorry. In uh sacks in the NFL right now, tied wow. with Jacksonville who we spotted them nine sacks last Thursday. So, I mean, <laughs> the, the thing is, is there's not an individual who's going crazy, but there wasn't last year either. And, and but the problem last was, year was like,
1: that there also wasn't an individual really correct. doing anything.
0: Yeah. Like, correct. Like, the, the problem was, is you had Casey and uh, Jayon Brown as your leading pass rushers, which I think had to happen because I think the Titans had to get aggressive because they couldn't get anything from the outside when they wanted to. It seemed like if they wanted to, they could line up Harold Landry wide and Cameron Wake wide, and they could get pressure seemingly whenever they wanted to. But right now, because they can, they're just choosing to do different things with that and disguising things. So, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about points allowed and, you know, it, they they haven't really gotten gashed on the on the ground. They've Where done do they rank nothing. in
1: scoring defense right now?
0: That is an excellent question and one that I do not have pulled up right now. Um, let me see if I can find that. But uh, I, I do know that they're top ten in like NEA adjusted defense. I think that might be top five. Which uh, what is that? Just it means like the average uh, air yards per attempt that a quarterback has. Uh, okay. It's like a, it's like an adjusted stat that tells you how good they are. Uh, the Titans are fourth in scoring defense, fifteen point five points per game. So right in front of the Buffalo Bills, who are fourteen or who have fifteen point eight points per game. Uh, but yeah, so it's like it takes how good quarterbacks have been and shows you it's like okay, if a quarterback is expected to throw for three hundred yards on twenty passes and he throws twenty passes against the Titans, he'll probably only get one hundred eighty four yards. So basically what that means is when teams try to pass on the Titans, they have significantly less success than they do versus the majority of the league. It's it's just a fancy way of saying it's a good defense. So I don't think I need to prove it at this point. I think we've all seen that the defense is really good. They're good. Statistically, they feel like they're good. They're making plays on the ball and they're getting turnovers. They're doing everything you want them to do. And it's not even like everything's fallen their way. Adoree Jackson had a dropped interception in Week One. Harold Landry should have had a strip sack this past week when he came around on Matt Ryan, and for some reason Matt Ryan had the, had amazing hand strength and didn't fumble. Like there are plays that you know are fifty-fifty plays at best that should go in the Titans' favor, and the ball just bounced the other way, and yet they're you know one of the best teams in the NFL in almost every statistical category. So even if I don't like watching Harold Andrew run up the seam with Austin Hooper and I can't understand conceptually why it's the right decision, the result is working. And, you know, after seeing that for 20 games, like we have the past year in, I guess, four games, you know, at a certain point I just have to accept the fact that Dean Pees is so much smarter about football than I am that I shouldn't even question it. I just should just figure out why he's doing it because there has Un- to be a reason. Unlike Dick LeBeau, right? I mean, unlike late-stage <laughs> Dick LeBeau, who was in love with golfing and Kevin Dodd, but that's, that's a different argument for a different time. Last thing about the
1: Titans before we look at the Bills a little bit, they haven't turned the ball over on offense outside of turnovers on downs, have they? Through four games? Is that right? Uh, I don't think yeah. we've
2: lost a fumble. Have well, we? Well, a
1: Dory,
0: but other than a Dory, we have right not. Though. Yeah, like I don't that's, know. That's I, special I, I
1: teams, think though. Special I, mean, teams. I mean, they haven't had an yeah. offensive turnover other than turnovers on downs. Mm-hmm. Correct. Now there have been far too many
2: of those, but <laughs> pretty good. The, that's how that's how you win games. That's how the Kansas City Chiefs with Alex Smith made the playoffs almost every year, right? Which mm-hmm. that's what
0: we've said should be the model for the Titans, right? Is yeah. They should like with. At least through the first three weeks, that's what we said. So, I mean, unless there's this newfound passing attack that, you know, Arthur Smith's cool with throwing to wide open wide receivers, and I guess Mariota's also cool with throwing to wide open wide receivers. Like, if that happens consistently, then the outlook changes. But for right now, like, that's who they should model their game after. Let's take a look at the Buffalo Bills. I want to talk a lot about their defense because it's really good, but
1: I just want to talk a little bit about their offense because I don't know how much I could handle of that discussion. Um (laughs) <laughs> Guys, there's just not much there, and, and you're probably not going to see Josh Allen this week because he's in the concussion protocol. Took a pretty good knock against the uh, against the Patriots last week. I mean, you've got your receivers are, are John Brown, who you know still has some some juice. He caught seven passes for 123 yards in Week One, but nothing close to that since then. Zay Jones, former uh, Odell Beckham, without the athleticism from the draft. Um, <laughs> Tyler Croft, you know, pretty experienced tight end, played with the Bengals. I was actually reading a draft profile on him You're today, really- <laughs> and the, the comp was Travis Kelsey. Oh, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Nailed it. That's him.
1: But I, there's two guys I want to highlight. Number one, Q. The Titans will face Q this week. Quentin Spain, uh, former oh. Tennessee Titans left guard. Oh, nice. And number two, 36-year-old Frank Gore – who a couple of facts about him. Number one, every game this season, his yards per carry average was better than the last game, 6.41 this past week. 17 carries, 109 yards against the Patriots. They're channeling their offense through a 36-year-old running back, and I get it. Frank Gore's a Hall of Famer, but like that
2: should tell you all you need to know. Yeah, Frank Gore looks great. He's a UM legend, so so I love him. But like you said, he's 36 years old. He has pretty much zero breakaway speed. He can still kind of move the chains, but the Titans have a stellar run defense, and the Bills are going to try to run the ball in this game, and I really, it's just not going to work out for them. Uh, I, I don't know if if Josh Allen is going to play in this game. I don't know if it matters, honestly. I I mean, him and Barkley are a lot a lot different. They're, they're very different players, uh, but they both love to turn the ball over. And considering that, that the Titans have been, they've been intersecting the ball more than, than recent years, I think. I mean, I and mean, we have four interceptions already through four games. So this, this is a game where they should get multiple interceptions, uh, whether Barkley plays or whether Allen Allen plays Josh Allen was, he was, he was putrid last week, really before he got yeah. injured. He would, his deep balls were complete, completely inaccurate and it seemed like when he was trying to to reel in his arm strength he would underthrow it and he was getting picked off uh and for some reason they kept going deep to zay jones Zay jones is not a a deep a, a deep receiver so i don't know what was going on there but whoever plays a quarterback i don't think they're going to be able to move the ball a lot and the the only way the titans really should lose this game is if their offense turns the ball over
0: yeah, which is exactly what we saw him do last year. Um, yeah, yeah, I love the the deep balls to Zay Jones because it's not like you have John Brown on the roster or anything.
2: Yeah, you well,
0: um, <laughs> It doesn't make any sense. Uh, a, a big part of their offense was Josh Allen just tucking and running. Like, he has 31 attempts, and Frank Gore has 61. So it, Josh Allen has more than half of the rushing attempts. Well, not within the whole team, but you know what I'm saying? Like, between him and the running back one, like – He's getting basically running back to he's getting as many carries as Deion Lewis. So think about it like that, um, which is horrifying. Way but, better runner, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, seriously, like significantly better runner. Um, so that's a big part of their offense is when things weren't going right, when he had a read and he just decided he didn't want to throw it there, he could just run. Well, I want to
1: talk a little bit about the uh, the Bills' defense, and I want to introduce this topic with this stat because they're legit. The Bills are three and one, albeit the, the three wins were not against great teams—against the Giants, the Jets, and the Bengals. Josh Allen in those four games. So a lot of times, these like rough it up, good defense teams win. You know, you don't turn the ball over; you play good defense, win the game. They have won. Th- they're three and one despite Josh Allen's touchdown to interception ratio being three to six through four <laughs> games, including. Um, let me see. I had it written down somewhere uh what he did i think he threw he threw three picks against the patriots before he went out that's what happened yes
2: correct i know that because i have and barkley threw another one when he he came in yeah this
1: this defense is winning number one despite their offense but i think my takeaway in studying these guys some today they've got an a-plus player guys at every level of of the defense On the defensive front, you've got Ed Oliver, this athletic freak that they took in the top ten of the draft. At linebacker, you've got Tremaine Edmonds, this extremely explosive, fast, fly-to-the-ball first-round pick. Again, linebacker. You've got another first-round pick at corner in Tredavious White, who picked off Andy Dalton two times a week ago. And you've got former All-Pro Micah Hyde at safety, who's a guy that, along with Jordan Poyer, they love to move around up and down the defense. This is a tough group to play.
2: Yeah, they they also have a couple underrated guys like Levi Wallace who who plays across from Trey White and, and Matt Milano who's kind of like your typical thumper uh, linebacker. Yeah, but yeah, but he yeah yeah he's really good. I I've seen him play before and he always kind of pops off the screen and catches my eye. Uh, so yeah, I mean this is definitely a, a, a tough d- defense uh, efficiency wise. There I think I uh, I think fourth in defensive d- DVOA rank. So. It's legit, but uh, and their performance last week was very impressive, Uh, although Edelman was kind of banged up, and it seems like the Patriots always tend to struggle in in Buffalo when they head up there. I don't don't know why. Maybe just because it's a division game, uh, and maybe there's something in in the water in Buffalo. I don't know. Uh, But I think think we do have to point out that before this Patriots game, uh, they played against the Jets, they played against the Giants, and they played against the Cincinnati Bengals. So I, I don't know. I don't know if their their defense is as good as advertised. I, I know we kind of saw it firsthand last year. Uh, so I, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I think if the Titans just just lean on Derrick Henry, uh, because the the Bills they, they do they they do have a good defense, but. They've kind of been susceptible to to running backs. The running backs have had pretty decent games against them. Uh, I know Saquon Barkley is uh, one of the best running backs in the league, um, but he had a good game against them. Le'Veon also had a good game. Uh, Mixon was okay. Uh, all of them had decent games, and, and they were very useful through the air. So I, I don't know if maybe attacking those linebackers with passes out of the backfield could be one way to to maybe neutralize their pass rush. I don't know who's going to do it because Derrick Henry can't catch and Deion Lewis is terrible. Yeah. But I, I mean, it, it, I, I think it's it's a way that if we could get Henry on, on a couple of screen passes, just make him secure the ball, uh, I think he could do some damage.
0: Yeah, it, I really don't like the way it sounds like you're building towards a Deion Lewis like revenge <laughs> game situation where he's going to get like 20 carries and, you know, targets out of the backfield from screens and all that. You know, I don't know. I, I love their pieces individually, um, not Edmonds as much. I just don't. I just I, I mean I think he's fine. I just don't think he's like necessarily as good this as is, he's advertised.
1: This is a throwback to our first year of podcasting before yeah. the draft.
0: Yeah, I don't like I think he I think people are so in love with watching like how big he is because he's like six five or something weird that like when he makes plays, they're like, look at this play. It's it's like the Miles Jack thing where it's like, look at this play. Like this guy stands out <laughs> and we think he's good. So we're going to focus when he does a good thing. And then it's like you'll see him get like run past or somebody will throw past him or whatever. And it's like, oh, OK, well, maybe it's not great. Or, like, they see yeah. that. like they're just, like, they're just yeah. like, oh, and look who was there to make the tackle. And I'm like, ah, OK, like whatever. But. You know, I, I say that he's having a good year. I really like Tre'Davious White. I think Matthias and I were like super on board with that. I think that's who, uh, at least Matthias wanted us to draft instead of a Dory. I, I was kind of fifty fifty both ways, but you know, I, I like him, and they should be a good defense. They're without Harrison Phillips, I believe, who uh, I believe got injured after like last week after the third week of the season. I'm not hundred percent sure about that. It might have been earlier, but you know, he was a really good player on their defensive line. I don't know. Like, they could make life difficult for the Titans. I think that having a new and improved offensive line is going to mess with their scheme because I think they're going to say, you know, this is what they were when they played Jacksonville. We're going to try to recreate this. But it's like, hold on. Now you get to face Nate Davis and Taylor LeWan, who are not Jameel Douglas and Dennis Kelly. No disrespect to Dennis Kelly. But, you know... I think if if I had to make a game plan for them, I think it's going to be that, and I think they're going to be unpleasantly surprised. And I would hope that Arthur Smith doesn't decide, okay, the way I'm going to stop this is I'm going to bunch everything up and I'm going to try to drive the ball right in the middle because that's the worst thing he could do. And, and, and Will, I do. think you, you may oh, – go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say what he needs to do is make sure, like we talked about earlier, that A.J. Brown and Corey Davis are on the field at all times and make him respect them and then work backwards from there. And I think – on
1: a point that really both of you guys have made, I wouldn't characterize this as an aggressive defense, because I went and watched a little bit of them today, and it's not like they're you know blitzing all the time and, and running around. You know, that's not what they are. They're tough, and they're incredibly fundamentally sound. They get their assignments. They know what they're doing. they got a lot of smart football players. I think Micah Hyde is probably uh, the, uh, the poster boy for a, a smart football player, and he's someone they have roaming around all, all around their defense. And so I think you use that against them because in being a tough, fundamentally sound defense, they're not a very, outside of Edmonds and Oliver, they're not a very athletic defense. And when the Patriots were able to have success against the Bills last week, it was when they used that against them. It was when they they got favorable matchups. Tom Brady hit James White for 26 yards on a wheel route against um, Malovo? Malovo? I can't read my now. Milano. Right. It's Milano. Milano yeah. Against Milano. Um, well, you, Matias, you were talking about him. Uh, but but th- that was how the Patriots managed to eke out a win is in limited opportunities. They use their lack of athleticism against them, which is why I'm not going to say it's a Deion Lewis game. But I think it's an Adam Humphrey's game. Get the ball out quick. Don't let the pass rush get there. And and just get the ball out quick and make them beat you with athleticism and Humphrey's quickness and, and speed with the ball in his hands, I think, is a, a a good weapon against this team.
2: Yeah, we need to counter their white little sl- slot receiver and Cole Beasley with our own white slot receiver. And in Adam Humphrey. better? <laughs> hum- Humphrey's is much more talented than Cole Beasley. No, of course, yes. of course. Uh, but I, I agree. Uh, they are they are very stout. They don't give up deep plays. They're very. They keep everything in front of them. Uh, they their run defense is, is is okay. They kind of invite teams to run on them, uh, just because their secondary is really good. Uh, but yeah, for the for the first, uh, I, I find it interesting that you say um um that they kind of need to uh, beat them with athleticism. Um, I think. Maybe this is a game where Arthur Smith can get a little bit creative, uh, especially against a, a sound defense. You kind of want to uh, get a lot of misdirection going. Uh, the Patriots, that's how they scored their first touchdown. Uh, they lined up Brandon Bolden. their running back in the slot um, on first and goal from the four. Uh, they motioned him, and they gave him a jet sweep. Uh, they got a good block on the outside from from Julian Edelman. So I, I think this is a game where Arthur Smith can, can kind of – experiment with a couple of things because i don't think it, it, like you said if we bunch things up and just try to run right down the middle it, it's not going to work uh, I, i've been saying for a while i think our best chance our best offense should be our base offense should be three wide adam humphreys in the slot Corey davis and a.j brown outside get delaney on the field and try to run out of there try to run with with uh with the field spread out or try to pass uh because humphreys Corey Davis and A.J. Brown, they've shown to be capable of of beating one-on-one coverage. So I, I think that's how you'd like to attack this defense.
0: Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do talk about how much you wish we'd run Deion Lewis and Flew and more, but I mean, other than that, you did describe your perfect offense. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it is time for us to wrap up the show how we do that every week with our Stop the Nonsense segment, where we take a look at some really bad takes from sports media about the Titans or, or really anything else is what this has become. It's a fun time, and if you have a submission for us, send it to us on Twitter, at NoNonsensePod, use the hashtag StopTheNonsense. I'll, I'll go first this week, and I'm going to throw back a little bit. This is one that I've been sitting on a while, and I've been wanting to, to read this one for a while, but every week something else comes up that I see that replaces this. It's finally time to talk about it. On August the 20th, Stephen White of espnation.com wrote an article titled Michael Pruitt is no Delaney Walker, but he can go off for the Titans this year. <laughs> well, it's been four weeks and that has not happened. Um I just want to read some of these lines. In his first pre in the first preseason game he definitely did his part, catching three passes, including a one-yard <laughs> touchdown on a crossing Jeez. route. I can imagine Pruitt being a pretty good tandem with Delaney Walker in two tight end sets. If he p- finishes the way the preseason, the way that he started, it, he should have a role on the Titans' offense this season. Um, and then he like says nonsense about like he. He made the most of his opportunities last season Uh, He said uh, Not only uh, Did he do enough Last year to show he belongs in the NFL But he should be integrated into the game plan Every week Look this dude is a Blocking tight end in the Titans mind Um, You know I understand Like having to write something about the Titans And not knowing about them But like that's just a strange take to me, you know? Yeah. That's just odd. Like, I don't even understand, like, like, going back to, like, the the, the nonsense that Bleach Report posted about, you know, Delaney Walker gonna get cut, like, <laughs> I sort of understood where he was coming from, like, he's old, makes a lot of money, injured last year. Like, I'm like, okay, I guess, like, this, I'm like, where did you get this from, dude?
2: Yeah, personally, I'm a little surprised that Pruitt, who caught nine catch it who caught nine passes last year and is 27 years old didn't break out this year
0: um
2: uh, <laughs> <but, laughs> well, for that opportunity he also like where was the opportunity going to come from because john who was coming back delaney was coming back yeah
1: john for- is clearly and i was having this argument with someone during i remember on twitter during the Titans scrimmage because i tweeted something about ferkshire and they're like oh yeah perks the number two tight end i'm like that would be johnny smith he's like i think ferkshire's better i'm like no he's not Clearly, Johnny yeah, Smith me. still is the number. <laughs> Clearly, Johnny is still the number two. Um, but, yeah. I, I, I yeah Johnny looks great, never... by the way. Like, we, we have not uh-huh, does. Does. said
0: his name outside of, like, maybe once or twice. Johnny looks really good at football. Like, yeah, he's played well. Like, I mean, he's he's no Pruitt, but, like, he'll get there. <laughs> In three nah. or four years, he'll be primed for a breakout.
2: I mean, it's sad that Ferkshire had to die for, for this to happen, but it's fine. R.I.P. Oh, God. Yeah. He hasn't played. It's crazy. No, he just but scratched everywhere. Is he injured now? Or is it, no, is it a is healthy this? scratch? Perks. Yeah,
0: a healthy scratch.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: He God, just couldn't, he good, couldn't go. like it's good, though. Yeah, I mean, he just. He can't block and they have Janu and Delaney and you know, if if one day comes and one of those three is hurt, he'll get his chance, but they can't have him like wander around in Jacksonville or Houston or whatever and getting eight hundred yards and be in the next Jack Doyle, which I do feel fairly confident that if he goes to a pass heavy scheme that uses the tight end, he would oh, be Oh yeah. No doubt. He's really good. He's a really
2: good receiver. All right. What All do right, you got? So my, uh, yeah. So my uh my stop the nonsense comes from Roto World. Uh, their writers are really pissing me off, man. I don't know. They've been they've been really bad this year. It seems like they don't even watch the games. And they've had like a anti Mariota propaganda campaign for for a really long time. Probably because they've been burned a lot of times by him in fantasy football. And Roto World is mostly a fantasy football slanted website. But this this some they wrote the blurb they wrote about him this week re- really pissed me off. So he they wrote Mariota unfolded a chair and relaxed in the pocket while AJ Brown and Corey Davis bullied Falcons corners Desmond Trufant and Isaiah Oliver downfield throughout the afternoon. That's kind of true. Uh, and then and then they uh, then they uh, continued with Mariota's first touchdown was a simple play action pass over the middle to Brown. That's how the rookie sprint pass defenders for a score or whatever. And then they wrote the second and third were easy throw and catches over the top of Atlanta secondary. What? That is completely false. <laughs> the second touchdown to AJ Brown was, was a perfectly beautiful. placed pass to the, to the right uh, corner of the end zone. Amazing pass. And he put it only in a, in a spot where AJ Brown could catch it. The third touchdown to Corey Davis was an out route that Mariota placed perfectly near the sideline where only Davis could catch it, and then Davis was able to sprint upfield because I don't know what the cornerback was doing trying to tackle him. Regardless, I mean, that that's just completely false, and I don't know if they didn't see what happened or, or if they don't want to give him any that's credit it. at all.
0: That's it. Yeah. Th- they yeah. didn't watch it. Yeah, that's, it's 100%. What I, I mean, I'm not <laughs> going to tackle watch on this highlights.
2: Podcast. I don't know. Just yeah. watch the highlights.
0: Yeah, it's not hard. <laughs> yeah. Um. Like it doesn't surprise me because it'll be week nine and people will still like say things that are wrong about the Titans and it won't matter if they're seven and two or if they're two and seven like it it, it doesn't matter like they're not going to watch the Titans for whatever reason but it just does baffle me that they like. It's because they had so to
1: watch them on Thursday night and they're like I'm never doing this to myself again.
0: You know, yeah, let me I tell know. you. Just shut that game off. Like, if I was them, like, I would have watched the first part, and I'd just be like, I can catch up with the rest on highlights. Like, yeah. I've got enough. Like, I-, I know how this game is going to play out. But yeah, it's the worst. Uh, I'll go ahead and drop mine. Uh, Jim Wyatt, I think we all respect a lot and love. He's he's great. I enjoy. You know, oh, is,
1: is this what we were talking about earlier today? Yeah.
0: Okay. Yes. Yeah, so um, he does uh, a mailbag every week, and. He's great, you know he's not afraid you know he works for the Tennessee Titans website now and or I guess the whole organization and he's not afraid to like put in things that are critical of the Titans and you know he's given people plenty of ways to vent their frustration about Mariota and all that. So he has something this week and you know he does them every Tuesday and Saturday I believe. and he uh, ended his his one today with this from Mark Revard from Bahalia. Mississippi. I just called him Mark from Mississippi, and so he said, uh, "Every week we see the publish of six things to look for. Here goes, and then he does a little colon. Says one: Watch Conklin perfect the lookout block. First of all, Jack Conklin has missed maybe one block all season. He has been outstanding, and
1: well, he struggled against Josh Allen, but."
0: Well, yeah, but that was everybody was struggling against everything, and it was like, <laughs>
1: very true. It all,
0: yeah, it was like all hands on deck. So, like, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not sure what the communication was in there. I, I don't, I don't want to get too far into that because he made six points. Uh, so, like, Jack Conklin, okay, like he he had his issues with Josh Allen, but. He's only messed up one other time I can think of, and that's the Justin Houston play. And if you go back and watch it, like we've said, it's just because Deion Lewis doesn't touch Justin Houston and just lets him get a free release, which is not what he was supposed to do there. Anyway, so number two, watch Malcolm Butler get beat uh, on 80% of the plays. Malcolm Butler has been outstanding this year too. Like the, the, what a weird first two people to attack. If you were on Twitter at all last week, you know, the person you should be attacking is Adoree Jackson because everybody was going to town on that. So That's crazy. Number three, watch A. Humphrey uh, continue his mediocre performance. Okay, like, you know, Humphrey had one out route for a first down, which was really good, but other than that, he was quiet. Okay, that's that's fine. He didn't spell his name right or whatever, but okay. He said, watch Henry have fantastic carries early in game and not be used afterwards. Nope. Number five, watch Mario to hold the ball and assist with getting six sacks. Terrible grammar and incorrect. (laughs) And then number six is it, be excited about reading Jim Wyatt's excuses for the team on Tuesday. That one was wow. nice. Yeah. It was it was a personal attack, and I I, I love that Jim Wyatt, you know. Read his this response. Answer. Yeah, his response was, Hey Mark, notice this one came in an hour before kickoff on Sunday. Well, it looks like the Falcons aren't the only ones who took the L this weekend. And then he oh. does the bike drop emoji. And I have Almost never been prouder of it. It was so outstanding to just see him be like, all right, you know, I'm going to save this because really I only go through and read the answers on those. And if it seems like an intelligent answer, I go back and read the question because usually if it's not a, a coherent answer, it's because the uh, the question was so I- I insanely ignorant before. I don't,
1: I don't know how he does this.
0: I don't either. It's like
1: because like, it's the, not like there's like a form to like people are sending that to his email address. Yeah. You gotta think like, how many emails is he getting with this nonsense?
0: It must forward directly from their Facebook. Like because it, these all read like Facebook. Like Facebook posts. So like he, he like I, I I it was so fun to read and you know I tweeted about it and I was, I was so excited. It was it was the kind of the feeling I think that every Titans fan had against every pessimistic Titans fan who just want to see like blood and gore and want everybody to get fired and they think every year that the, the right answer is to fire all the coaches and the general manager and get a Isn't new Isn't it, owner. though? The, yeah, I mean, that, that seems to be the play. But I, I, was, I was so happy to read this. So that's my stop the nonsense is from Mark in Mississippi who got his ass handed to him by Jim White. <laughs> Well, that's going to do it for
1: us. We will be back next week after the Titans have played the Bills. We'll look back at that game. We'll look ahead to the Titans week six matchup against the Denver Broncos. That one should be lots of fun. Uh, But until then, for Will and Matias, I am Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense.
2: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app.